we have the opportunity to really embrace our longevity. Booming, the podcast, offers insights and inspirations about how all of us can age successfully, how all of us can boom. My name is Marcus Riley. Welcome to Booming. Ronnie Khan is someone who inspires through her social impact, in particular, her work founding the charity Oz Harvest and her energetic approach to living. In this conversation, Ronnie shares her rich experiences, stories of people who influence her outlook and what fuels her purpose and engagement with life. It is with pleasure I introduce Ronnie Khan. Ronnie, welcome and thank you for having a conversation with us today. I really appreciate your time. Not a problem at all. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to have you. And Ronnie, you have genuine impact in our society across different communities and are an inspiration to, to many people. And I, I want to talk about your amazing work shortly. But first, I'm really interested to know who has inspired you throughout your life, who have been people who have really influenced your outlook on life and, and approach to life? Look, there's no doubt that um, my parents were definitely role models, both about their attitude to life. Although my mother died very young, my father did live beyond her another 14 years after she passed away. But he remarried and lived a full life. So I suppose my parents, um, I have another exquisite, beautiful 94-year-old friend, Selma Brody, who when I spoke to last week said she just was so busy on the computer learning new things and participating in courses and very, very upset that she couldn't travel. <laughs> that so, is a wonderful example. <laughs> yeah, so she's pretty cool. So both Selma, that person, and Hilton, the person I'm about to talk about, sort of each have a chapter in my new book that's coming out because they're so extraordinary. And this gentleman, and he is a gentleman in the true meaning of the word, Hilton Harmer, who is 82 and still is completely committed to service, to being the most extraordinary help he can to humanity. And he's pretty awesome. Wonderful. In, in relation to your parents, did you realize as a younger person, the influence they were having on you and did have on you? Or was it not till you were a bit more mature that you realized how much of a role model they played in your life? I absolutely did not realize when I was a child <laughs> or when I was a youth. And it certainly took a much, in hindsight, as my life evolved, only when I started questioning and, and growing into who I was meant to be, did I realize the role that my parents had on me, but certainly not as a child. Sure, which I think is true for, for so many of us. For most people, yep, I would think so. Ronnie, you grew up in South Africa, and I believe you raised your family in, in Israel, then moved to Australia. What have you taken from those experiences and the transitions from one place to the next? It's interesting. This is all very fresh for me because, of course, as I said, and it's not because I'm trying to push the book, but I've just finished the book and the book is about to be released. And of course, I cover the three countries that I've lived in. 
there's no doubt that in South Africa, I learned about injustice and I learned about discrimination and I learned about being privileged and I learned about because I grew up during the apartheid era. And then interestingly enough, going to Israel is where I lived on a kibbutz and a kibbutz is a socialist way of living. And the early years of my kids growing up was on that kibbutz and then we spent some years in the city in Israel before we moved here. So Israel, that early period was really actually all about equality and being accepted for who you are and working according to your ability and getting what it is you need. So very, very contra to my childhood. And then I arrived sure. in Australia and Australia has discrimination, there's not even any doubt, and has inequality. But I guess this is the place that I chose to do something significant for me in my life. You mentioned some pretty amazing circumstances there that, that you have experienced and clearly you've had to adapt given those different circumstances, given the different environments that uh, you have lived at different stages of, of your life. What do you think has enabled you to adapt so successfully? I think that that's where some of the role modelling comes in. I mean, from my parents, my parents had to adapt fundamentally to a change in their life. My dad had an accident when I was six. He was in hospital for two years. They didn't think he'd survive. So my mother had to adapt and look after the family until my dad could so I guess that was subliminal learning. And then I have changed. You know, I've changed. I moved countries three times. I've changed. I've, I've, I've been through different relationships. I have, and I think that I have an energy and an ability to, to be incredibly adaptable. And it's, it's, it has stood me in extraordinary stead because, you know, if you'd have done those things and weren't able to adapt, that would be pretty challenging. So I Indeed. think it's about attitude. I think it's about how one looks yeah. at life and how one chooses to cope with life. Yeah, I guess you would draw on those same qualities and attributes around attitude and, and outlook in regards to growing older as well and most of us are going to enjoy a longer life than previous generations. Do you look at that expected longer life and consciously try and draw on those attributes that have enabled you to adapt to different phases of your life thus far? So I don't really relate to aging. I think that my aging process, obviously biologically, that has not <laughs> kept up with where my mind is. But, you know, I stopped somewhere yes. around 30 maybe 40. And as far as I'm concerned, the aging process is not something that I'm inclined to engage with. I've got a lot that I need to do in my life and a lot that I want to do in my life. And it's never occurred to me to say, I can't do something because I am a particular age. It never stopped me doing any of the things in the past and I can't see it stopping me doing any of the things in the future. I certainly 
am committed to keeping my body and my mind in the most healthy state possible. And I guess that's my concession to aging. But it's not something that I either fret about. I am completely committed to living the fullest life I possibly can every single day. Because when I was one or 10 or 20 or 30 or today, all I have is now. All I have is this very day. None of us know when we're going to pass. None of us know when we're going to die. We plot and plan and think how we're going to be something and and think about all the years that we've got. Well, we know nothing. I've had personal experiences that have taught me that so much. But even the start of COVID, who would have thought the world would close down? We couldn't have planned that even if we wanted to. And clearly nobody did because we were all so unprepared. Yes, and, and I love that spirit in which you look at the present. And I do want to come back to your approach to health and I guess your thoughts about the future. But before we do that, I'd like to come to what you've achieved, particularly with your amazing work with Oz Harvest. And it's been a fantastic success it does genuine good for so many people. Can you explain to us, Ronnie, what drove you to first establish Oz Harvest and and some insight into its current impact? Absolutely. So I don't ever think about Oz Harvest and its success. That was never and will never be my motivation. My motivation to start was definitely because I wanted to know what I'd been created for. I wanted to know why I'd been put on this earth. And I personally had a problem in my business life. I was creating food that needed a solution because I kept throwing it away. And for years and years, I threw it away. And when it suddenly dawned on me that actually this food was so perfect, so good, and could be feeding hungry people, that was what drove me to connect my problem and a solution. I never set up as harvest to perpetuate hunger or to be the biggest food rescue organization in the world. And that's really what's committed me to trying to keep finding solutions and making changes in order to find those solutions. So I think it really was that, I guess, existential question as to what could I be doing or what should I be doing to make my life meaningful? You have spoken and written a lot about how you have found your purpose through the work of Oz Harvest, as you were alluding to. Can you give us a sense of what purpose means to you? And I guess picking up one of your earlier comments, how you envisage continuing to maintain and and fuel your sense of purpose? Sure. Absolutely. I prefer to call it my true calling because that is what I found. And it's not that it's not purpose-led and purpose-driven. I just think there's a challenge because many of us today think we can find purpose on a supermarket shelf or people would love to just find their purpose. And, And so I think 
it's very clear to me that all of us have purpose. We just often don't know where to find it and that it's right inside of us. Mm. So I think what it means to me is to know that I wake up every single morning with gratitude for the fact that I slept in a bed, that I have a roof over my head, that I have food on my table, and that whether the sun is shining or the rain is falling, that is something so precious. And I try and keep that and, 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 and that notion and that intention of gratitude is with me all day, every day. And, and Ronnie, that intention around gratitude, is that your way of finding motivation when there are days when, or periods when motivation or energy may be waning or that you're not really feeling that, that sense of purpose as, as much as that? Is that a way to overcome those periods? Absolutely. And the truth is I am incredibly blessed because I have enough reasons every single day to be fulfilled with that intention fills me because there is the reality that, you know, Oz Harvest has grown and is doing extraordinary work. But, of course, if I did wake up feeling oh, a little less energetic than on other days, it's very easy for me to be motivated to get up. It's yeah. very easy for me to say, wow, I could just get up right now and walk down to the beach and enjoy what that would give me before my work day. So I'm very conscious about being in alignment with the joy that I have around me and the challenges that I have around me, but being conscious about the choices I make. And, and embracing those choices, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I've also heard you speak about the benefit for people through giving their time to charitable activities, be it Oz Harvest or another initiative. What type of people are you commonly seeing give of their time and what do people tell you about their experience? What, what benefit are they deriving? So there is something magical, and it's one of the things that I did learn. There is something absolutely magical about giving, and it is just way more enriching and empowering than getting. And that is the message I get from our 3,000-plus volunteers. It's the message I get every day when... So many of my people come to work. You know, we certainly pay good salaries. We don't pay brilliant salaries. Every one of my people could probably work somewhere else and get more money. It's not about the money. It's about knowing that you're doing something or giving of your time or giving of your energy or giving of your money. It's a very, very enriching, warm, making from your toes to your head experience. So I think that that is a beautiful way to feel needed, to feel part of something. And I think that notion of belonging also energizes us and makes us feel, whether it's invigorated, youthful, energized, that is a very important thing. Yes. And I suspect for many people, often it's taking the first step 
to volunteering or giving of their time or, or their money for that matter. What advice would you give people about how best to, to really take that first step, which often is the most difficult? Yeah, my best advice would be start now. Nothing to wait for. No better day, no better time than to think, you know what, I've got a skill. I wonder if somebody else could use it. Maybe I could teach somebody something. Maybe there's an organization that needs me to answer their telephone. Maybe there's somebody that I can help just by sitting in a space with them. There are a million ways to volunteer our time and our energy. And there is no better time. You know, I I have had a thousand people tell me one day I'm going to. There is no one day. There just is no one day. Mm. The other thing is there isn't a bigger value Start placed now. That's, on that's great advice. giving this bit of time or that making a meal for someone or doing something. It's all valuable. It's all worthwhile. There isn't one thing that's more valuable than the other. Start now is the key message I can take from that advice. And Ronnie, you mentioned before about living in the present and, and really embracing the current moment. Notwithstanding that, what role does planning play in your life? And given the way you've pursued objectives and what you've been able to achieve and, and as we said before, maintaining that sense of purpose and, and embracing your true calling, how do you plan? What role does planning play in your life? Oh, you're asking the worst person about planning. You know, when <laughs> I went to start Oz Harvest, I didn't have a business plan. I walked in and I said, here's what I need. I, I want to do this. I know that there's good food. I know there's people in need. I want to connect them. That was my plan. I knew how I could do that, but I certainly didn't plan to build Oz Harvest to be what it is. I'm not a big planner, so I'm pretty useless. The only thing I do try and plan is to make sure that I can get to do my exercise or I can get to spend time with my friends, family, my loved ones, you know, and commit to doing my work. So it's, so it's prioritizing. Of course, my life is more planned than it's ever been, and that's more just so that I can fit all the things in that I want to. <laughs> but no planning for the future, no big schemes, because I'm too busy living now. And Ronnie, is it also you have the confidence to, to do that because of your faith? I, I know you have a strong faith. And yep. how much does that influence your outlook and, and your approach? Absolutely. And it's not about a religious faith. I was brought up Jewish. This is about absolutely understanding that there is a presence and, and I'm not getting into what that looks like for anybody else. But yes, I have faith and I have faith that I am doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing all the time that I'm not harming anybody and I'm being useful and being helpful to the planet and helpful to people, then I am on the right path. And that is what guides me, going out to do good every day. That's all I really have to do. And the rest will take care of itself. Fantastic. You mentioned your health before, and, and obviously you prioritize 
your health and, and well-being. Can you share perhaps some strategies or activities that you found particularly conducive to you optimizing your health and, and your energy and your ability to really embrace life? Yeah, well, I definitely think that eating good quality food, I choose to eat organic and I don't believe it's more expensive than eating ordinary because I think it lasts longer and it's more nourishing for me. So it's going to save me money in the long run on my health. I'm mostly vegetarian because I think that plant-based gives us everything we need. It doesn't mean I don't indulge in chocolate. It doesn't mean I don't eat yummy things, but I do everything kind of in moderation. I don't drink very much alcohol just because I'm high on life. I don't need it to give me a buzz. I might have a glass of wine every now and again because it's lovely and social, but certainly not because of the effects. I'm very mindful of that. And I do exercise, I do yoga, I meditate, I walk, and my meditation isn't that I sit on the floor sounding om or doing things. I can switch off, I can meditate while I'm walking. So I think keeping physically fit and able as much as possible is really important. And just walking is enough if you just walk every day if one is lucky enough to be able to walk because that gets one's mind flowing and gets your body rhythm working. So I'm, you know, I used to run and I used to do major workouts. I still work out, but I do it in a way that's appropriate for me. I was just going to say, you've clearly found what works for you and, and you derive the benefits from that. And And again, Ronnie, from speaking with you, I can really get a sense of how much you embrace the opportunity that life gives us. And I'm interested in your views, uh, I guess, more broadly. Do do you you feel as though people are are cherishing the opportunity we now have to live longer and and have an increased longevity? Do you feel as though people really are embracing that opportunity? That's a really tough question because I'm with all ages of people. You know, the people I choose to mix with are really every single demographic. And I don't spend that much time on wondering about longevity in terms of how can I keep myself more alive or asking others. As I say, I've got, I'm surrounded by people who are literally of all ages. I mean, my brother-in-law is 80. He bike rides every single day. When, when he reminded me that he just turned 80, I kind of had to pinch myself because he certainly doesn't think of himself as an older person and he just gets on with it and does it. So I truly believe that if you spend too much time worrying about what the future will bring, I would just say I just spend more time on how I can be fulfilled and how I can be of service now because yes, we are living longer, but I've told my children that if something happened to me that I wasn't functioning, they should just put a pillow over my head. I don't want to be a burden on anybody. I, I think that's a wonderful perspective you outlined in terms of focusing on, on what you're doing as opposed to worrying too much about what's to come 
further down the track, I think that that balance is is a really good one. Well, I've got plenty time to deal with that, so why should I deal with it now? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, you, you mentioned you are working with younger people and interacting with people of different ages. Are you conscious of the role you play in the lives of younger people? I am much more conscious of that now. And I don't know that it's limited just to younger people and I'd, in the same way as the roles other people play for me. I, I don't really differentiate, but I fundamentally believe that it is hugely important to give younger people role models that are meaningful, that are about giving back and about doing service as opposed to a lot of the superficial messages that social media or that our society might put on us. So yes. I definitely relish every opportunity to, and, and it's why we've created educational programs that have gone into schools, but I love talking to younger people and being involved with young people because I just think they are our future and we want them to have as broad an education as possible and to understand the impact of each and every one of them on our society in the future. And I'm, I'm sure they love talking with you as well, Ronnie, and the insights and wisdom that you can share with them and that example of, of living with purpose that you referred to. You mentioned earlier that you're aware of discrimination in Australia. Would you include age discrimination in that referral? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it would be silly to deny that there, you know, I heard somebody this week told me that if you work in a particular accounting firm, he had to retire at, I think, 62. Oh, I, I'm not even sure, but some ridiculous age when there is so much wisdom that older people have and we should be tapping into that. It takes a lifetime of experience to to get wise. And so what a waste of energy not to be able to share that. And I will just share one little thing that Please. where ageism is so relevant in that, you know, about five years ago, I decided not to dye my hair anymore. It was the most freeing up one, it freed up so much time, and two, it saved me money. And <laughs> three, it just, I really enjoyed it after I got over the shock of what I look like with white hair because I thought I'd have salt and pepper hair and that would be so cool. Sure. But it was white. It is silvery white, as in very white. And I cannot tell you how many people told me how brave and courageous I was. Really? And that's insane because by showing my age, I didn't think I was being brave and courageous. Was, was it liberating for you? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. But actually, there is a funny, tragic chapter in my book, and that chapter is called The Silver Vixen, because when you look at men who have gone grey, they are considered a silver fox. And so there's discrimination against women as well as aging indeed and you know they considered so elegant and so eligible and nobody's <laughs> ever called me a silver vixen except me <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure it will get picked up and we might see that 
become more of common vernacular. Ronnie, can you please tell us more about your book? What is it called? And what's the thrust of the messages in your book? Sure. So funnily enough, the book is called A Repurposed Life. (laughs) A Repurposed Life. Wonderful. Yeah. And I wrote it with my daughter-in-law in that she co-wrote the book with me, which in itself was an extraordinary experience, as you can imagine. When she suggested and asked if she could write my book, I kept thinking, oh, my God, is this a recipe for disaster or is this (laughs) going to be a very enriching experience? And, of course, it turned out to be a very enriching experience. The thrust of the book is that I believe that each and every one of us doesn't have to look far to find their purpose and that purpose isn't something that exists outside of us. It exists within us. And nobody has to start a charity. Nobody has to go out and do huge and wonderful things in order to find their purpose. If you are the best grandmother, that could be the purpose that fulfills you or the best barista or the best whatever. And so I guess just through my own life experience, because it is a memoir, it is about... It's how I found my voice and my true calling, and hopefully it would inspire other people to be able to find theirs, not because they think that I'm very special, but in fact because I'm not, actually. I think that's a really important message that you're you're putting out through the book, and I firmly believe that purpose is, is one of the most important ingredients to successful aging or or to booming as I like to call it. Yep. And I think having an example like yours shared with with the community is is hugely important and and really beneficial. So I'm sure it will resonate with people and uh, we will argue with you that you're not special. I I think quite to the contrary, (laughs) but I think sharing your your story will be wonderful for so many people. So we look forward to reading that. I hope so. Let's put it this way. I've never been so vulnerable in my life. You know, people see me and in my us harvest life I am completely self-assured and run this extraordinary organization and am surrounded by extraordinary people but I certainly wasn't always like that and it's when you find your intention and when you live with purpose that these extraordinary things can happen and that's the journey that we all need to live a, a wonderful message Ronnie, I've got some standard questions to conclude our conversation today. So, and I am going to use the word aging, even though I know it's not something you necessarily embrace as as language, but if you bear with me, what concerns you about aging? Uh, Not very much other than losing my physical ability and being a burden on others. What gives you confidence about aging? The fact that after these years and years of trialing and experimenting that I might have some wisdom that can be of use. And what older person has inspired you and why? Well, I think I'll, I'll just go with Selma Brody, 94. Curiosity is her middle name. She is curious about everything and has just keeps abreast of everything. And she's an extraordinary, extraordinary woman and inspiration. My thanks to Ronnie Khan for her time and sharing her inspiring messages. 
Ronnie's commitment to positivity and her sense of purpose are certainly consistent with the booming philosophy. Ronnie highlighted the value of volunteering as part of maintaining purpose, and often people have a desire to contribute through volunteering but are unsure how to start. There is a great website to help you in this regard, volunteeringaustralia.org. It is a really good place to access all sorts of information about volunteering with different sorts of roles and different types of organisations. So that website, again, is volunteeringaustralia.org. Thank you for listening to Booming the Podcast. For more Booming content, please go to our website, booming.net.au. That's booming.net.au. Or you can interact with us at the Booming Facebook page and Booming Instagram, or email us at info at booming.net.au. We'd love to hear from you and receive your questions or your own inspiring stories, suggested topics you'd like to hear about, or people you'd like us to interview. Also, it'd be great if you could please subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform and tell people about it if you are so inclined so that we can build this booming community and exchange our ideas and inspirations for successful ageing. On the next edition of Booming, the podcast, we speak with Legal Eagle, Brian Hurd. Brian is regarded as one of Australia's leading experts when it comes to the law and getting older. Plus, he's entertaining. Don't miss our next episode with Brian Hurd. Thanks for listening and happy booming.